actually come up with a theory. Come up with a theory. Come up with a theory. But I always ask the water, are you willing and able to come to the surface to serve the project at hand or to serve the house that's about to be built? That second rock would have flown across the English Channel and I would have been in France. So that's how transportation happened for some people, ancient times. If you go to Mexico, they have a myth. Every, every child ought to learn to dance by the time they're five. Right? We use wood for everything. Mm -hmm. So if we treat it with great respect and appreciation, then we're going to have the highest relationship with all of nature. We're not separate from nature. We chose to be on this planet, and we chose to take the body we've got, even though, you know, it's, it's not as tall as I'd like it or, you know, whatever else is mm -hmm. going on. Um, you know, we're here. It's, it's deeper than and that. So it's deeper than the, the aesthetic oh connection that we see in the moment, right? Yes. And it's, it's deep, yeah, it's deeper than the physical. It's not just physical. It's emotional or spiritual. So that the intelligence of the water... during the heightened energies of the holidays. Today is going to be a great episode with Marty Kane. She is a experienced dowser. She comes from a family of dowsers from Lithuania, actually. And we get into that story a bit here. We're following the theme of paranormal and earthen energetics. So you shall find this episode fits into such a theme. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. It means so much. And I also want to thank everybody who's been tuning in to the Sunday Slow Burn. If you're unfamiliar, we have a YouTube channel that we do a live stream every Sunday. And we cover different topics. And it's actually an open call platform, so... If you are keen on the topics that we're going to be talking about, you can actually jump into the chat. It makes for an incredible uh, weave of fun and tantalizing information. It is very, very nice. And so I want to thank everybody who has been showing up on Sundays. Thank you guys so much. It's, 
it's been a wild ride, and we've made some cool connections on that. Last week, we just did the history of wizards, or some of our favorite wizards throughout history, um, and upcoming to get ready for our themes into the year of 2023 of ancient Ireland and snake symbolism and all of that fun stuff. We're going to be talking about the fey folk and the feminine and masculine sides of that. So like one week we'll focus on the history and some of the folklore and mythos of the fairies and, um, and that realm in the fey and ancient Ireland. And then the next week we'll focus on characters and creatures like the leprechaun and the green man and see, see how they kind of flow together and have an entire episode dedicated to just just one of those things so we can get a real big deep dive on it. That's how we like to do it around here. So, my friends, thank you so much for tuning in to Sunday Slow Burn and also everybody on the Telegram group chat. Thank you guys. You guys are awesome. Telegram is how we post a link so you can join into the chat on YouTube. So it's all connected. Absolutely. And the Patreon has been doing great. We've got some new subscribers to the Patreon. I want to thank you guys so much. I hope you've been enjoying the Dopamine Deep Dive episodes that we've been putting on there uh, with uh, some of our other buds. And hope that you're finding the, the Patreon content to be to be entertaining and uh, and resourceful because there's some real juicy stuff that, that we're putting on there. Um, and I love it. And of course, I must promote the other new show called Moon Mysteries. It's all about mysteries of the moon with Kaylee Burkana, who has been a guest on this show before. She's been on the Patreon. She's also done some of our new segments. She's an astrologer and she's a great friend. And we have teamed up to do a new show dedicated to the mysteries of the moon. So I hope you guys go and check that out. Um, I know a lot of you already have, and thank you guys so much for the support. It's a really good one. I love it. Uh, I love just focusing on the moon. There's something so mysterious and tantalizing about it. And we will have shows coming out for months and years because there's endless amounts of mysteries about the moon. So we'll always have things to talk about. Wow. Well, uh... Yes, of course, of course. Thank you guys so much. Uh, get ready for today's RFTA news segment. We have Adam Stokes back in the house, ready with some ancient knowledge for you guys, an ancient RFTA news segment. Oh, well, I'm so sorry. Before I forget, I want to introduce you to VisionSwitch.space. Get some clairvoyant work done. Get some psychic and energy work, a past life reading, psychic hygiene, dental floss, your joints that connect you and your spirit together and see what effects it has on you. That's what I do with my friend Sabaya Sogard over at Vision Switch. Um, she's awesome and I've been working with her as my personal psychic <laughs> for a couple of years now, a few years now, we'll say. We've been friends for longer than that. Um, but I've actually delved into this work with her for those few years, and it's been amazing. And uh, she's offering a discount to you guys, so go and check it out. 
get some work done. Let me know how you like it. Let Dan know how you like it. Let us know on the Telegram. And I hope you get more because when we work on these energetic and spiritual things consistently, you know, just like magical invocations and, and working out your physical body at the gym or reading you know, consistently, when we do these things consistently, we have great results. Now, when we do things every once in a while, it's a fun experience and it can be a great result, sure. But, the same sense, it's not as concrete of a solution that you might find if you were doing it every night. For instance, if you were stargazing every night to get to know the constellations... You know, or to study your area of stars that's, you know, in, in by your house or by, by an area that you go camping, so on and so forth. If you're not doing it consistently, you don't get familiar with that information. And things don't start to change in your mind frame. So, you guys know all this stuff. But it's always fun to talk it out because that's what community's for. And so... That's why she is offering the Fire Tribe community a discount to get some of the psychic work done with her. And like I said, email us to let us know how that went. And I want to uh, give, an, give another shout out to uh, a, a Fire Tribe listener that sent a personal email to us. Um, that was really sweet. Thank you so much for doing that. It was really great to hear that we had somebody... That, living on the island of Barbados and was enjoying the show. The island of Barbados. There are Fire Tribes listeners and awesome islands <laughs> in the Atlantic Ocean. Like That's so amazing. And it fills uh, Dan and I's heart up with joy to know that, um, that you guys enjoy the work and the show. So just a personal thank you and it means so much, like I've said many times before, and I'll say it many times again and after. Hope that you guys have a beautiful rest of your day. I hope that you guys find a deeper interest into dowsing after this episode. And I hope that you get to question your reality because that is the fun part of life. So let's get on to it with some RFTA What's up, Fire Tribe? It's Danny Naki Dan. Welcome to Rising from the Ashes. Roman is not here today. This is RFTA News, and we're here with Adam Stokes. Adam, how you doing, man? Long time no see. I'm doing good. Yeah, long time no see. Good to be back. Good to see you. Where you been but up to But everything lately? is going well on my end. Excellent. I'm busy as heck, man. Just teaching. I recently got a job. Um at the same school as a reference librarian, which is awesome because that's closer to my dream of actually becoming a librarian. I, and I get my yeah. library science degree in December. So that's been awesome, but it's just meant everything. I like have no time for like anything outside of, <laughs> outside of uh, teaching and being a librarian. So yeah. really busy, but busy in a blessed way, busy in a cool way. 
Excellent, man. I just went to a bookstore today and picked up a couple books. Uh, one of them is like a, it's called uh, A New World Atlas. It's a big, huge book. Ooh. It's probably like 18 inches wide and uh, like 20 inches long. Whoa, whoa, whoa. And it's like huge, man. It has a lot of the old maps from the old world in it. And then another one I got was, uh, I'll go grab it. Yeah. The Vinland Map and the Tartar Relation by R.A. Skelton. I've heard that name before, Skelton. He was a... See a cartographer? I'm not sure. That name sounds really familiar. Hmm. But then here's the Oh, whoa, that that's a big baby. <laughs> yeah, those maps are amazing. How what they thought of like the the new world and stuff, even though it hadn't quite been explored by Columbus, but they retained memories of it um from when people before columbus had crossed the atlantic so those map those maps are fascinating man yeah this uh Ooh. this place right here is called magellanica <laughs> you ever heard of magellanica i have heard of magellan um, <laughs> yeah Francis. i've never heard of i've never heard of uh that place though so. well they have a map of it in there <laughs> fascinating so yeah it's crazy i like even some of the older maps that have like uh i don't know if you've seen but they have like the the lion and then inside of the lion is a a map it like oh, makes the so shape there's a, ma the a map inside of a map <laughs> yes. yeah i don't know i don't know what they were doing back then but well, you know, they clearly knew that something was, you know, across the sea and across these oceans and across these waters. Um, they just didn't, they so, they, like I said, retained that memory, that uh, that memory had been passed down from generations, generations, generations. But mm -hmm. uh, the way that they envisioned uh, the new world to be um, is, is kind of crazy. <laughs> sure, man. Uh, what do you got for us today, Adam? Yeah, I want to talk uh, a little bit about the Dead Sea Scrolls. Um, they've come back into the the media recently. I know we were talking about uh, some of the new decipherment of uh, some of the Dead Sea Scroll fragments, but I had, you know, my background in biblical studies and Old Testament, mm -hmm. and I got to see the Dead Sea Scrolls in person uh, many years ago in both Kansas City and in Philadelphia. There was like a traveling exhibit, oh, and wow. I got to see them uh, see them up close. Um, it was a really amazing experience. But I'd kind of forgotten about the Dead Sea Scrolls until uh, recently, both with the new stuff that's come out. And when I was at the Association for Research and Enlightenment, Edgar Casey and the ARE, they've done a lot of work on the Dead Sea Scrolls. And there's actually a book. Let me go get it. Mm -hmm. That was given to me as part of my participation in the conference. 
um, Edgar Casey on the mysterious Essenes. Mm. Um, so the Essenes um, are basically the Dead Sea Scroll community. Now, biblical studies, that's more controversial. Some people just call them the Dead Sea Scroll sect, and others say, you know, the Essenes were a different sect. I take the view that they were one and the same group. Um, but if you ever went to a Society of Biblical Literature conference, um, there's a whole debate. People break out into fistfights over, you know, whether we just call them the Dead Sea Scroll sect or the Essenes. But uh, to me, they're one and the same. And for people who aren't familiar with the Dead Sea Scrolls, they are our earliest biblical manuscripts in Hebrew. Uh, most of our English Bibles are taken from a very late manuscript, the Masoretic Text, which is a medieval manuscript dating to around the 10th century CE. Um, but the Dead Sea Scrolls date to around between the 2nd century BCE and 70 CE when the Romans came mm. and destroyed Jerusalem, and they basically ransacked the surrounding area, and the Dead Sea uh, sect or the Essenes uh, basically are eliminated. They go out of existence. Um, but their writings were preserved in clay jars. Those were found in uh, 1946 in the 1940s. Um, so we have um, a really good idea of what the of what the Bible was like, at least the Old Testament, um, in uh, the centuries right before Christ and even in the first century uh, CE. And so we can kind of reconstruct what a lot of source critics, text critics do of the Bible, uh, try to reconstruct what the earliest text would be, which in many ways uh, differs um, at times from uh, what the Masoretic text is, which is the basis for, like I said, the basis for our English Bibles. Can you, can you tell us a little bit about who the Essenes are? And uh, when did, how long were they around for? Yeah, they were around for a couple of centuries. They were kind of a dualistic, I would even call them kind of a Gnostic mm -hmm. Jewish sect. They believed in the children of light, which they believed they themselves were, versus the children of darkness. And their leader was a dude called the Teacher of Righteousness, which a lot of people have tried to identify. Some people say it was John the Baptist. Some people even say it's Christ himself. I don't think uh, Jesus was really associated with the Essenes, but John the Baptist seems to be, because a lot of his asceticism, his vegetarianism, his walking around butt naked, um, that uh, kind of reflects some of the asceticism that we get in uh, the Dead Sea Scroll text. Hmm. I heard a story about like uh, Jesus and um, who was it that he raised from the dead? Um uh, Lazarus. Lazarus. I heard that was kind of like a, a scene kind of motif of bringing him into the light out of the darkness and not necessarily raising him. Yeah, the, the Johannine Christianity is very similar. So you get that story um, in the Gospel of John and Johannine Christianity probably was influenced very much uh, by a scene uh, theology, Dead Sea mm. Scroll mm -hmm. uh, theology. So even though Jesus himself, uh, we don't know what his association was with the Essenes, if he had an association with it, whatever uh, the sect that emerges, the type of Christianity emerges from Jesus's apostle, one of Jesus's apostles, John, um, is very uh, similar to Dead Sea Scroll uh, theology with the light and the dark. And um, a lot of people, a lot of biblical scholars uh, suspect that that community was in conversation with the Dead Sea Scroll community uh, towards the last decades of uh, the Dead Sea Scroll community, the Essenes' existence. Where did they exist? Where where were they predominantly located? 
Yeah, around the Dead Sea. Um, so that area, um, really kind of the deserted part. So we think of Galilee, for example, where Jesus was as kind of this country uh, bumpkin place, um, apart from Jerusalem, which was kind of the main city, kind of the Philadelphia mm -hmm. of our time. But the Dead Sea is even further out than that. So that is really in the kind of the boonies. Um, mm -hmm. So um, that's, yeah. So is that in Jordan? Um, that's where the estates would have been. Hmm? Is that in Jordan? I'm sorry. Jordan? I think so. Yes. What is now Jordan? Um, so Jordan yeah. has a lot of biblical. Jordan has a lot of biblical sites, um, even though it's not a uh, part of you know the the modern day state of Israel. Uh, Jordan has a lot of biblical sites um, in it as well. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of things. Uh, a lot of things happen there. I actually have funny thing. I used to know the Prince of Jordan, mm -hmm. um, Prince Hashem. We went to school together at Duke. So um, wow, really great guy. Really nice. Um, so yeah, so that was my, that was my little encounter with royalty. So, um, but I actually knew a couple of people from Jordan. I still keep in touch with them from college. Wonderful, uh, wonderful people, but a lot of biblical history in Jordan. In fact, Jordan has, uh, in its museums, uh, some of the oldest biblical manuscripts, uh, in the world. Oh, really? How, how far do those date back? Not as far. They're older than um, I believe uh, the Masoretic text, and they're in Arabic. Um, but they're they're very old. I would say uh, probably fifth to sixth century uh, CE. So mm -hmm. uh, really, really old stuff. Much older than, like I said, the Masoretic text itself, uh, which most of our Bibles depend on. What was uh, what language was the Dead Sea Scrolls written down in? They're written in Aramaic and uh, Hebrew, mostly Hebrew, some in Aramaic. I think there might be a few written in Greek, but um, that's to be expected since Aramaic would have been the main language of the people um, in that area. Um, and they contain not just biblical, uh, orthodox biblical text or official biblical text, but also a lot of those books that we talk about a lot that didn't make it into the official biblical canon. So uh, the Book of Enoch. Uh, the Testament of the Twelve Patriarchs, all those apocryphal, uh, pseudepigraphical uh, books um, are attested to uh, in the Dead Sea Scrolls. Hmm. Excellent. Uh... But really fascinating, especially, I, I like the Dead Sea Scrolls with this whole uh, dualism and kind of the Gnosticism that you get in there. Um, I've always found that very fascinating. I think that's one of the continued appeals of the Dead Sea Scrolls to kind of esoteric people such as myself. Yeah, I ha I have the book of the Dead Sea Scrolls around here somewhere. I don't know where I put it. Yeah, a guy named Giza Vermace uh, translated them all uh, many years ago. I have the uh, the Penguin Classic version. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I think is that is that Giza Vermes? Who's the translator? Um, I think I just yeah, Giza Ver yeah, G E Z A V E R M E S. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Is that a good translation? Yeah. Is that the only translation? Very good. Yeah, that's the definitive collection of the Dead Sea Scrolls. Yeah, I always uh I read the the war scroll a few times. That's the one where they talk about the the sons of light and the sons of darkness. Yeah, yeah. And they believed kind of like you know, Messiah would come and kind of clear, you know, make this utopia. Um, 
but it gets kind of shady. We're not sure if they believe their teacher of righteousness was the Messiah or not. So uh, some very interesting stuff. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Um, yeah, I kind of cut you off there with a scene talk, but uh, what else? Were you going to say anything else? or? Uh... That's basically it. Like I said, um, they used to, and I don't know what happened, but they used to travel. They had the Dead Sea Scrolls traveling around. I think some of them might be in the Museum of the Bible in Washington, D.C., but if you ever get a chance to see them, it's kind of a, it's a pretty amazing experience. And what what else do the Dead Sea Scrolls contain? Because like in this book, it's like mostly like it's not old parts of the Bible or anything, is it? Yeah, it is. So um, it contains some. So there's a variety of uh, types of genres within the Dead Sea Scrolls. So you have straight up biblical text in Hebrew and in Aramaic. Then you have ritualistic text um, about basically the rites and the procedures uh, that one would undergo as a member of the Dead Sea Scroll community. And then you have these kind of apocalyptic, mm -hmm. um, apocryphal text uh, where you have the Sons of Light versus the Sons of Darkness. So the War Scroll, for example, that you mentioned, um, and just these uh, kind of end-of-the-world texts, which are kind of far out there and unique to the Dead Sea Scroll community. Yeah, it also has hymns and poems, uh, apoc mm -hmm. apocryphal yeah. psalms um calendars yep. liturgies yep. and prayers but i mean the dead sea scrolls doesn't contain like uh anything from the old testament as far as like um exodus or genesis or yeah yeah it does it, every single book oh uh, it does uh, that's a really great question every single book of the old testament is attested to in some way now it might be not be a complete version of that book but every book except for esther i believe and song of songs is attested to in the Dead Sea Scrolls. And the reason mm. that Esther and Song of Songs aren't attested to is because those two books in Hebrew do not mention God. And so the Dead Sea Scroll uh, community might, the Essene community might have considered them blasphemous or not scripture. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, people because... have even speculated, they sometimes said that the new parts of the New Testament were in the Dead Sea Scrolls. Um, that's kind of debatable, mm. uh, but definitely most of the books of the Old Testament. Because because in this book here that they, they don't really include any of of those things. But what you're saying is they 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 allude to those types of stories within the Dead Sea Scrolls themselves. Yeah, but there's not yeah. an actual Exodus book in the Dead Sea Scrolls. Yes, so there's actually yes, there's actual. So for example, one of the famous Dead Sea Scrolls is the Isaiah Scroll. Okay. it's a copper scroll, which I'm really kind of into. Oh it wow, me of the Book of Mormon. Kind yeah. of connection to that. It's absolutely gorgeous. I've actually seen it in person. Um, and it contains basically all of the book of Isaiah. Wow, man. <laughs> That's fascinating. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's pretty cool. Well, this month we are doing kind of uh paranormal and uh and aliens and stuff like that. I know you're a little bit into aliens. What is kind of your take a little bit on like aliens and spirits and demons and paranormal? Um, how does that fit into kind of your perspective? Yeah, I definitely uh, believe in aliens. I think that there's no difference. I think I mentioned this before. It's not really a difference in my view between an angel and an alien. 
Um, okay. What we call aliens now in the 21st century, uh, thousands of years ago, they would have called angels. So I think that they're one and the same. Um, I also think that, you know, as with everything in the cosmos, there's a dualism. Um, so some angels are really nice and other angels are not. And we get, that's where we get our demons from. Um, mm -hmm. I think you're a reptilian alien and some of those nasty, really sinister aliens that you uh, you get um, that get talked about uh, that Phil, late Phil Schneider talked about. I think those are, you know, uh, uh, some of your demons. So I think that they're one and the same. Yeah. Have you ever seen uh, a ghost or whatnot? I've never seen a ghost. I've had a couple of UFO encounters. Not that I've seen the aliens themselves, but I have seen ships. Mm -hmm. um, but um, never have actually seen a ghost myself. So doesn't say I don't believe in them. I, I believe definitely in the ability to contact uh, to to contact those who have who have been deceased. You know, mm -hmm. I think my dad died last year, as you know, and I think, and sometimes I still hear him talking to me in dreams um, yes. and just in my mind. Sometimes I'm driving down the road. Um, so um, I've had those type of experiences, but never, never an actual ghost. Um, now, this is this is funny because when I was growing up in the 80s, we lived in Baltimore on Plainfield Avenue, and my parents swore that there were ghosts in that house like crazy and they said they used to hear a 1940s kind of record uh playing mm -hmm. and they would talk they would call the uh, neighbors next door and they said you know it wasn't us which was really really uh freaky and um we learned that literally i know this sounds like something from poltergeist we learned that literally the house was built on an indian burial ground so uh <laughs> you know do with that what you want uh, do you, uh, when we're talking about the Dead Sea Scrolls and how they were found, you know, they were found by kids playing and uh, through rocks and uh, uh, and kind of broke down a cave and went in and found them. Do you think some of these things maybe possibly have energies and, and bring people to them because they want to be found? Is... Um, yeah, I, yeah, <laughs> I absolutely do. I, yeah, I know that's do. a weird one. So I think that, yeah, I, I think that, you know, certain texts, I think it's the same for Nakamati, you know, mm -hmm. um, for so long, the Orthodox Christian church had suppressed anything about these Gnostic texts, and then suddenly they're found. So I think that, you know, certain things have energies to them, and eventually they come to light, and eventually a more truthful picture emerges, because there's a lot of stuff in the Gnostic text, which I think inform us much more about the, the true nature of what Jesus's teachings were and about Jesus's person, uh, than we get in, in Orthodox Christianity. And that's also kind of a, a narrative in, in the book of Mormon too, is Joseph is, uh, mm -hmm. Joseph Smith. Sorry. Yeah. He's led to these places yeah, by this led... angelic, by this angelic being. Right. Yeah. 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 So it, very interesting, you know, uh, like how some of these discoveries seem very accidental or whatnot, but I mean, there's, there's so much to like finding coincidence, you know, and finding things and especially uh, a treasure, like the Dead Sea Scrolls. I mean, that's gotta yeah. be amazing. It, it, yeah. And I mean, and then the fact that it lasted all this, you know, even with the Nakamari text, that these things were preserved for thousands of years 
I, I don't think that's an accident. I think that, you know, they were protected and I think that there was an energy to them uh, that did allure people, you know, uh, to them. Yeah. Like a calling. Hmm. Yeah. That's fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've been getting into the UFOs and the paranormal and, uh, you know, I, I'm not very much of a religious or spiritual person or I'm spiritual, but like, as far as like ghosts and ghosts scare the crap out of me, by the way, and aliens have kind of, uh, I was really into them at one point. I've kind of gone back, but you know, hearing other people's stories of their experiences is really like captivating and it's hard to like say oh i don't know that sounds like because these people you can see it in their face like they really feel it yeah. they really believe what happened to them and uh, and who am i to say i well i don't believe that so you're wrong you know um yeah so it's very captivating to hear these stories and it it really like makes me try to think differently in my head about the reality in which we live in and uh makes me a more open person so uh, i've been really enjoying this month and uh the next month too i think we've already recorded a couple so it's been fun awesome awesome <laughs> yeah man well, thank you, Adam. Uh, can you uh, tell people where they can find you at and if what else you got going on? And uh... Yeah, yeah. I um, I have my uh, Instagram site, Adam, uh, the giant guy 2019, uh, where I'm always posting um, a bunch of stuff, especially when it comes to kind of ancient esoteric stuff. Um, I also have a site on Facebook, Lingua Classica where I put um, a lot of ancient stuff as well. It's more kind of a Latin language site, but I put a lot of Greek and Roman mythology, Greek and Roman history um, on there as well. So those are the two main sites uh, that I can be found on. Um, working on, uh, hopefully, I've been so busy, I haven't had time to really focus on these, but I'm trying to get another book out there by next year. Mm. Um, hopefully when things die down um, with the library science degree and stuff like that, I can just focus more attention on that. Any, uh, do you know what topic you're going to be covering? Um, I'm trying to make the presentation that I gave at ARE into a book. Okay. So um, it was on Native American mounds and kind of the Casey readings. Oh, excellent. And the Book of Mormon. Fun. Yeah. Uh, excellent, man. Yeah. All right, Adam. Well, thank you very much. Uh, thank you, Fire Tribe. And stay tuned for the interview. Hey everybody, welcome to Rising from the Ashes. It is me, Homie Romy. Today, I am here solo without my partner, Dan, and that's okay, because with us, we have a very experienced and someone well-versed in the field of ley lines, dowsing, labyrinths, geomancy, and much more. Uh, we have with us today, Marty Kane. And she is a gem. We have been speaking for quite some time now, a little bit over a month planning this show. And we hope to weave 
into this month's theme of paranormal parapsychology and earth energetics. So what we're doing is we're piecing together different experience stories that people have um, with either UFO sightings or um, ghosts or entities, and then how they might cor corroborate or collaborate with these special sacred places on the earth that permeate the earth and energy. We think there's a connection there. Um, and so today I, I thought it, I thought it wise to bring on Marty Kane. Hello, Marty. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you. Thanks for the invite. Yeah, of course. Of course. I love your dragonfly necklace. Well, thank you. Yeah. The dragonfly is one of my symbols. See, they show up when I need them the most. Yeah. One time I was dowsing a labyrinth in Brazil and I couldn't speak their language and the fellow um, could speak a little English and I had to teach all these people how to douse so they could douse out a labyrinth and uh, as we were walking down to the tent he looked up and said I have never seen so many dragonflies and I laughed and said well <laughs> probably took a couple hundred to convince me it's going to be okay <laughs> a couple hundred so, yeah, it was the sky was black with them. It was wonderful. <laughs> in Brazil. Yeah, yeah. And he was a native to the land? Oh yeah, I think they're Dutch. I think a lot of um um yeah, I'm not sure, but he he was he lived there and had I've never a place seen that life. many dragonflies. That's amazing. One of my um special bugs that I resonate with is the moth. And yeah. I, I love moths. Dragonflies, funny enough, when I was in school growing up, I also had a large fascination and still do have a big love and peace in my heart for the dragonfly. Um, but I wrote, um, you know, like a, a piece on dragonflies in school and I was doing research and they're definitely one of the most unique flying insects, bugs that we have. But what, what does the dragonflies symbolize to you and what, is, what does it mean to you? Well, it's, it's like um, a reassurance that I'm in the right place at the right time. They're kind of a protection and encouragement, basically. Yeah, because they can do they can do anything. They fly backwards and up and down and all kinds of stuff. So if they're with me, then I can fly upside down and backwards. <laughs> Not really. But they're just like, oh, okay. The first time I was teaching on the college level, I was teaching printmaking. And I was sitting on one of the tables when the students were coming in. And the door was open to the outside. And a dragonfly came in, sat on that desk next to me and was there all day long and didn't leave until the students had all come and gone so it's like okay you've got support i think it's a spiritual thing as well as just a, he's not just a bug you know i think i think we all have what native americans call day signs things that let us know we're on the right path and in the right place at the right time and so yeah a dragonfly is is one of my um support critters yeah that is that is beautiful and such a great way to start off this conversation i want to mention yeah. that you know recently um in one of our early episodes of the month on this topic of of the paranormal mm -hmm. parapsychology we were speaking with an author who was writing some uh who writes books on on ufology and he brought up mm -hmm. this researcher in um, I believe it was uh, in Germany or maybe maybe Russia. It might have been Eastern Europe. 
um, there's this thing called CSE, it's cellular structure effect, that basically is there's this pattern that is repeated in the insect world that allows them to defy gravity and defy physics through the specific yeah. pattern. And so speaking on the dragonfly, speaking about things like Ezekiel's wheel, um, you know, these this sacred knowledge of being able to fly up, fly down, fly backwards, fly forth. And we get some of our technology from these insects and their natural life. And that just blows my mind. Yeah, I think it's wonderful. The, the thing is that um, we as human beings are totally connected to all there is. That's how dowsing works. I mean, the first thing, my grandpa taught me to douse when I was about five. And we went out in the backyard and it was evening and I looked up and there was a moon. And so I doused, is there water on the moon? And I got a yes. Well, I didn't <laughs> believe it because I was five years old, you know, and I thought the moon was made of cheese. And of course, there can't be cheese in water. But anyway, <laughs> you know, how I realized how I could do that, even as a child, was that I have an orc field. I have a waveform, and this is my particle form that I play on planet Earth with. But I've got a waveform, and the waveform extends out at least seven layers. And the first layer is the one you see when you're tired and you look at someone in the, like my teachers when they're in front of the blackboard. There's a little white glow around them, about an inch. Well, that's, that's the densest of your auric field, and it goes into your body through your chakras. So that's layer one. Layer two is about fingertips. Layer three would be um, the planet and the moon. Layer four is the solar system. Live, no, I got it wrong. Um, the third one would go as far as the Mississippi River from the East Coast. And then the fourth one is the planet and the moon. The fifth one is our solar system. The sixth layer is everything you can see, the tiniest speck of light. And the seventh one is all there is. So you and I are one on that tiny, tiny bit that covers all there is, the skinny branches. We don't go out there very often. It's too scary. And we feel responsible. I mean, if I was all there is, why are there wars? Why is anything going on? Mm -hmm. Well, Everybody is all there is, so that we we have to integrate with everybody else. And because you are everywhere all the time, you can focus in on part of where you are and ask a question. That's how map dowsing works. I mean, I look at a map, and is there water on this property out in Tennessee? And I can get a yes or a no in my dowsing because I am already in Tennessee, a part of me. Not my conscious mind, but my subconscious mind is connected to the waveform or to the all there is. My conscious mind is not. It doesn't have that job. Its job is to keep me safe and, you know, to line the universe up with what I say I want to have happen. But my subconscious mind connects me. It doesn't judge and evaluate the way the conscious mind does. It just looks to see what's there and come back and tells me what it finds. So I can find water anywhere. Now, I wouldn't do map dowsing for someone who wants a well 
because the maps are too big. You know, the, the mm -hmm. dimensions are wrong. And I need to know exactly that point where the drill bit goes so you don't miss a water vein 400 feet down. Because if it's off, it's going to miss it and they'll get a, a dry hole and cost them thousands of dollars. So, you know, I like to be there, be able to mark exactly where to go to get that water. Now, the other aspect of dowsing is, well, it works because we're there. And it really works if we keep our integrity as high as we possibly can. So you don't mess with dowsing. You need to have super high integrity. And um, everyone dowses differently. I mean, I use L rods when I go out on the land so people can see them move. You know, it's like these guys give me a yes. My yes opens. Mm -hmm. This is search. It's straight ahead. Give me a no. My no crosses. So when I go on the land, I walk with these and I get my yes when I come to where the water is. But I always ask the water, are you willing and able to come to the surface? to serve the project at hand or to serve the house that's about to be built. Mm. If I get a yes, I mark it. If I get a no, I don't even mention that that water's there because if it says mm -hmm. no and they drill, it'll move. Mm -hmm. I've seen that move many times for other dialects. In fact, recently there's a, a well driller up in Northern um, North Carolina and he recommends me. So people call me when they hire him to drill a well. And I went out the last time and he's standing there with L rods. And I kind of laughed. I said, Oh, you're gonna you're gonna outwork me. You won't have to call me anymore. And he kind of laughed. He said, Well, he dows that water was where he is. And they went eight hundred feet and had a dry hole. Eight hundred feet so down. There said, should okay, no there we'll should not be a dry minute. spot at eight hundred feet down, right? That's that's very deep. Oh, yeah. No, we're in the mountains. We're in the mountains. The mountains are huge in North Carolina. But anyway, he, I went up and I doused the place and I asked the water vein, I want a water vein that's willing to come to the surface. So I found it, marked it. It was willing to give, I don't know, 15 gallons a minute or something, which is a good amount of water. So I went back and, and talked to the fellow and um, I went and doused if there was water where he drilled. And it said, yes. And then I said, are you willing to come to the surface to serve this new home? And I got a no. So I said to him, and he watched me. He was with me. And I said, you got to always, always ask. Mm -hmm. I said, you can learn to douse almost anything. But everything is alive and intelligent. Mm -hmm. Even rocks. Mm -hmm. They all have their own intelligence. So if water has the commitment to summon at the foot of the mountain and it it can't give you any more because it made a promise to these other people it's going to move you it won't let you take any if it if it isn't willing so always always ask are you willing to come to the surface and then i have people once it's drilled right at the head of the drill head right on it i love you i appreciate you Aww. and the water it tastes better and it does, never goes dry. <laughs> so everything, if you treat it with the highest respect, then you're going to get the responses that you can count on. It won't lie. It won't mess with you. 
nature wants to play, but it, if it can't, it'll tell you. Mm. It'll tell you. Yeah. That is so interesting. And does it, do you think it, it's different with each person that might want to permeate on that property? Not, no, no. I think that anybody who just drilled where he did, that water would have moved. Mm. But if he asked if it was willing to serve this new home that's being built, I'm mm -hmm. not building it. I'm just asking. It said yes. So we could drill there and it would give us water. I would like so to. Uh, I don't think it has. Any, no. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I would like to. I'd like to go in maybe a little deeper on this. This um, the spiritual aspect of the connection to humans and water and dowsing and, you know, when, um, when you when you're doing like plant identification or, or or wild foraging or any plant harvesting by any means, you know, asking and talking mm -hmm. to the plants to you know, to at least assure them yeah. that you are going to harvest a piece of that and to say, you know, to also be gracious and say, thank you, um, will, will allow mm -hmm. you to find, if you're wild foraging and you're connecting to, um, to the land, then you're going to be shown where a lot of plants are or where the mushrooms are because you're, because you're working in, in cohesion with that. And I, it seems like there's some correlation here with dowsing, but I don't really understand yet, and I would like to, um, from your opinion, this connection of uh, of water and dowsing and, and, and our body's water and the water in the atmosphere and the water in the universe and how they all connect together. Yeah, but it's not a physical thing. It's not like because I've got water in me that I can douse for water. No, it's because of the emotion of love love is it love is a mm, communication mm, mm. and if you treat it with love and respect it will treat you with love and respect it all everything in nature wants to play they all want to <laughs> contribute to each other they want to you know humans are so screwed up they fight and they kill each other i mean this is dumb but mm -hmm. other like even trees you need if you're going to cut a tree you need to tell it at least a couple days in advance so the spirit of that tree can move and go in with another tree in another trunk. And when a baby tree comes up, it goes in, and that's its tree. Then it, it's reincarnation for trees. So everything is alive and intelligent. And they have their way of contributing to everything else on the planet. I mean, trees are home for all kinds of critters. Mm -hmm. And they even build our homes. Right. We use mm -hmm. wood for everything. Mm -hmm. So if we've treated with great respect and appreciation, then we're going to have the highest relationship with all of nature. We're not separate from nature. We chose to be on this planet and we chose to take the body we've got, even though, you know, it's it's not as tall as I'd like it or, you know, whatever else is mm -hmm. going on. Um you know, we're here. It's, it's deeper and than that. So it's deeper than the, the aesthetic so connection that we see in the moment, right? Yes. And it's, it's deep, yeah, it's deeper than the physical. It's not just physical. It's emotional or spiritual. So that the intelligence, which I think is God, God is all there is, all that intelligence is located in every living thing. 
you know, I had I had built a labyrinth or was building a labyrinth with a friend, and we were using great huge rocks, you know, to put them in place. Well, she she was a little bitty lady. She worked in an emergency ward in Georgia, and she's driving along, sees this road construction going on, and there's these big old rocks that they just chucked on the side of the road. So she pulled over and asked the rocks if they were willing, this big one, if it was willing to be in her labyrinth. And she got a yes response. So she said, I'll come back after work and I'll pick you up. We'll get you. Okay. So she drove back in a little pickup and backed up to it and said, uh, I need, Marty said that if I ask you that you would help me get into the truck. <laughs> now, she's a little bitty lady, like five feet. And the thing could have weighed, I don't know, a few hundred pounds. So she reaches down puts her hands on the rock and said, I'm going to count to three. You got to help me if you want to be in my labyrinth. And one, two, three, it was in the back of her truck. So she went, oh, right. And she got in the truck, drove home, backed up to the area where the labyrinth was and tried to push it out of the truck. It wouldn't budge. She could not move it. So she said, well, I'm tired. I'll go to so she went to bed, got up the next day, went out to the truck, and talked to the rock and said, okay, I'm going to douse. Tell me where you want to be. And she doused the outside ring and found that it wanted to be right on the right-hand side of the entrance to the labyrinth. She backed the truck up to that spot, put her hands on the, nudged it a little bit. It jumped out. And since. So rocks have a that <laughs> so much. Yeah. That is so amazing. I first learned about talking about Isn't it fun? Everything is so much fun once you realize that you can play with everything. Mm -hmm. I was, I'm an artist and I did sculpture in the Boston area for years when I lived there. And um, I had this commission to do a, a, um, a sculpture in a, a state park. So I went up and I asked them where, you know, what kind of permission I had to move rocks or whatever. And they said, oh, well, that, that stone wall over there, people keep knocking, kids knock the rocks off. You can use them any way you want. Just don't put them back on the, on the wall because the kids will knock them off. Well, it was energy lines that was disturbing the rocks. But anyway, oh. I would pick them up and move them and put them where I wanted them. Well, I came to one I couldn't budge. You know, it wasn't that big. And I thought, hmm. Finally, I got mad at it. And I said, well, where do you want to be? And I kicked it. And it rolled up a little hill and down the side. And again, it stopped right at the entrance to my sculpture. And I walked over and I said, oh, I'm sorry. So then I started asking every rock where it wanted to be. I didn't have any backaches at the end of that sculpture. Everything picked up. They all helped me move them. I wasn't exhausted. I wasn't tired. It was awesome to play with those rocks because they all helped me to put them where they wanted to be. Wow. And I'll tell you, the more you work with nature, the more, and ask it if it's willing to play. If it is, you're going to have more fun and you won't, you know, break your back and, you know, <laughs> sprain anything. And you can wow. do all. Stuff. That's it's so true. Yeah. It's so amazing. Yeah. And 
I, I want to get, before we go deeper into this conversation and before we go deeper into dowsing and labyrinths, can you give us some, some of your history, maybe even some of your family history? It sounds like your family, uh, your grandfather at least has a history of dowsing and um, maybe just give us, give us some of that depth because once we start to understand more of those stories, it just, you know, character development throughout, uh, throughout understanding. Yeah, let's, let's do it. I love family history. So just as much as you want to okay. share, I'm here for it. Yeah, my, my grandfather was a refugee from Lithuania during the war. He, he came um, on a, as a stowaway on a ship to New York. And he worked in New York um, at 14 years old. And he worked in the shipyard of New York. And then he moved further north and um, handed, I, I don't know how we, I don't know how we learned English. I don't know how we did all that stuff. But when I came along, he was working for um, a factory in Newport, New Hampshire. And uh, he was their technician. So he handled all of the you know, machinery. So he, you know, if it broke down, he fixed it, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But he was the local, quote, water witch. So anybody needing a well or needing water would come and get him. And they would they would go off and he'd douse. And he's the one who taught me to douse. He also, this is also a kind of interesting little story that one evening he took me out. I was crying because my sister and I were fighting and she took one of my favorite toys and said I couldn't have it. It was hers. And uh. nah, nah, nah. So grandpa <laughs> took me out back and he said, I'm going to give you something no one can ever take away. And I said, wow, what's that, right? So he puts his hands like this and he holds them up to the sky. And I looked through the hole and there were the Pleiades. And he said, they're yours. No one can ever take them. Wow. And so, so I, I own the Pleiades. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, yeah. And, you know, long after he died, I doused where he was. And he and my grandmother are, literally on one of the planets of the Pleiades mm -hmm. in that configuration. So mm -hmm. he gave me where his home was. So, wow. you know, and, and he's, you know, he's the one who taught me to dial. So he, he I gave, um, he gave you the, the map to back home, like to be able to talk to your ancestors and connect mm -hmm. with that place of, of, of refuge and home for you. That's so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and a lot of the, I think a lot of the Pleiadian energy and maybe people, I don't know, mm -hmm. are here to help us get through this this rough time mm. that the earth is going through, you know, the chaos and the, and the fighting and, and uh, all that political stuff that's so corrupt and horrible. Mm -hmm. um, I think we have some friends from, you might, they may be spirits or they may be, people from the Pleiades that are living here now and you know they're just as human as anybody else but they have a high high integrity so it's um yeah we're not alone we're not alone and there is there is spirit there if the more trust you have in that inner self and that inner connection then the more good you can do yeah I mean I'm Look, I'm I'm 81, and I'm still climbing wow. up mountains, dowsing, 
for water. In fact, one of the places I douse in just north of Asheville, it's a huge mountain. And the developer had me come and I, I climbed down this ridge and found the water and trying to get back up to the road where he was standing waiting for me. I was holding on to bushes and trees and pulling myself up. And he burst out laughing and said, Marty, next time I bring you, I'm going to bring a rope <laughs> so <laughs> I can get back up to the road. But, you know, if you if you keep doing and contributing and uh, stay connected to the really goodness, then age is, age is ridiculous. It doesn't mean anything. Wow. may mean a few more experiences than mm -hmm. what I had when I was 16, but, mm -hmm. you know, it's still... I'm still doing it. Wisdom, you know? wisdom, uh, you know, comes and like transmutes itself into the the gloriousness of of being an elder in the community. You know, it's it's really right. important. And what you do with your work and the and the services you offer that you've gathered from your family is right. so important. And your grandfather would be so proud of you and doing the things that he taught you that comes from his family, which comes from probably a long line of some yeah. very powerful yeah. people. I mean, Lithuania is rich in history. Um, I've and it's done... rich in farmland. It's rich in all of that. And, and uh, he, he's Lithuanian. Yeah. That is so cool. Is he, was he tall? Was he a big man? No, no, no? he wasn't. He was square. And I think um, no, he wasn't tall. No, even my my dad, who was English, was only, oh, what, five ten, something like that. Yeah, yep, the average average height, I believe. Yeah, um, yeah, but Grandpa was even shorter than Dad. So, oh wow, um, but he was oh. he was um, healthy and strong and kind of you know square built. Like that, <laughs> the the <laughs> Lithuanians that I know, one of my one of my really good friends, actually mm -hmm. has married a Lithuanian woman, and uh, now they have uh, uh, Lithuanian babies, and so oh, that was my first uh, that was my first introduction into that uh, that country, and I love history, so I, I start to look up different parts of the history, and it, it seems that Lithuania specifically has a connection to ancient India and the ancient Vedas. And that some of the more esoteric and fringe um, uh, parts of history, like deep, deep, real origin stories, actually mm -hmm. are held secret in, in Lithuania. And like some of their architecture is so cool. And there's just yeah. so much about that. Um, have, you, have you been back uh, to that part of the world? No, I, I tried to get to Lithuania, but... Um... I don't know. There, there were all kinds of rules and regulations because mm. it was, quote, communist at one point. But yes. one of the stories my grandfather told me um, was that that two planets collided, the Earth and another planet, and the Chinese and the whole Eastern way of thinking were on one of the planets, and the Western way of thinking was on the other. And when they collided, then they became one. And the uh, ancient Chinese had writing, language, numbers way before the Westerners did. And this is historically true. And that Lithuania was a connection between the East and the West. And that they knew from both sides. And they, they helped connect the whole planet into a, a unit. So 
you know, that wow. was his story. And, and dowsing, dowsing, I know, is done in China. It has mm-hmm. been for centuries. And in American Western, it was done for a long time, but it was not accepted because of Christianity or the church or some somebody decided mm-hmm. that we could be that powerful. I but every one of us is that powerful, really. Wow. That is, first of all, the story, that story is amazing. And it touches in on a lot of things. I'm just thinking, I'm automatically thinking the Atlantean Lemurian story, that divide between those two, you know, it's almost like the the Eastern is the Lemurian and the Western is the Atlantean. These two planets conceptually, you know, boom, talked about the Vesca Pisces before, like a Venn diagram type of situation with these two fields working together counter rotating how celestial energies might be working which is fascinating which makes sense when you think about a toroid going out like this yes and creating that so it's like you do have those out and in it's 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 a double it's like a double helix and that center pole is the center from north to south pole yeah and so and we spin this way and mm-hmm. this way, so it's going both ways. The, the Taurus is a fantastic thing. When you go to the ancient sacred sites like stone circles, it's a Taurus. You are a toroidal shape. Your whole auric field is in the form of a toroid. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it, <laughs> it keeps moving. Coming and, out from uh, your heart and up from your head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Your heart feeds the spin. It's, it's part of that. Yeah. And then when I went, I would go, I mean, I've been to hundreds and hundreds of stone circles because what I would do when I was teaching in Cambridge, Mass, um, I would take a boat to England or fly to England, rent a car and drive up and hunt up ancient megalithic sites. Wow. And I didn't, but I (laughs) I doused the energy. Every single sacred site has water under it or under it and near it. So you'll find a spring next to almost every stone circle. So you've got the combination of the water and the circle and the stones, which also help to form the vortex. The, you know, it's it's awesome. It's awesome. And, and they're on the crossing of um, beneficial energy. So the grid is marked out by ancient peoples so that you would know where to go to be part of the grid. Now, when I was down in in um, Cornwall, and I was exploring all this stuff, because, oh, man, I loved it. I just went crazy. <laughs> so I went down into Cornwall, and there was a dolmen in the southern section, southeastern section of, of Cornwall. And it was only about five four or five feet at the lowest point of the of the rock and it was slanted like that so i got on another rock and i pulled myself up and i lay like this looking out over the toward france you know the english channel i couldn't see the channel i was too far back but i was like that well all of a sudden i'm on a on a rock that's tipped like that and i'm lying this way all of a sudden only thing touching the rock were my elbows and I knew that if I knew what I was doing and if there were people at the base supporting me 
I could, and, and another rock under me, so it wasn't just the capstone, but two capstones, that second rock would have flown across the English Channel and I would have been in France. So that's how transportation happened for some people, ancient times. If you go to Mexico, they have a myth, myth or story that the blonde-haired, blue-eyed gods came on stone ships. So what are they talking about? They're talking about blonde-haired, blue-eyed people riding the energy lines on a stone from Europe to Mexico. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, we, we keep ourselves so small mm -hmm. and, and so unpowerful, you know, so mm -hmm. helpless, basically, that um, we forget. We can be at any time and in any place if done ethically. We can do that. I think that's why so many people have flying dreams, dreams of flying yes. when they're in their conscious, when they're in their subconscious sleep, you know, yeah, and when they're children too, mostly at children. And then they grow up and they stop doing that because, you know, that's not possible. Right. So you stop those dreams. But that was letting you know that you've had those experiences. Maybe the last time you were on planet Earth. Do you or think maybe, when you, uh, you know. Do you think yeah. there's a, another reason and maybe some sort of ulterior force that is um, suppressing the, do you think at one time the earth was more magnetic or had more of these uh, potency along these energetic highways, if you will, um, than they do now? And it is, do you, it's, and for a dowser, do you think that earth goes through changes where there's a, okay a thicker connection to tap into it's harder almost to tap into that um like this almost like the psychic highway is being muddled with other types of energies that are being created from an ulterior force or an interior force uh some higher echelons of government even possibly haha <laughs> yep <laughs> it's, it's hard to know i mean you can douse it's like I don't douse medical stuff because I don't know medical stuff. So, you know, but I can douse how many vitamin C I should have today that for my highest good. But when I douse that the earth is, I'd say, tired, she's actually moving into a different location in the solar system. So... There, there's something going on in the relationship of the earth to the sun and where our sun is aligning with a second sun, which is part of the universal sun. So there's all these different layers of connection of energy mm -hmm. going out to the universes. And we're getting an awful lot of, uh, we're getting whacked actually. We're getting, the sun is no longer warm. It's cutting. You know, I'm, I mean, I've been down, I, you know, take winters in North Carolina, and I've done mm -hmm. it for 17 years now. And because of COVID, I've been here two full years straight. Um, and the sun isn't warm like it used to be. Mm -hmm. I can't lay out in the sun. I feel like it's cutting. It's, it's burning me rather than warming me. Mm. So it's sharper. And I, I don't know how many people feel that. And there's some reason for putting up the chemtrails. They're, mm -hmm. they're having, oh, that's my pussycat. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, buddy. 
Don't you do that. We love there. cats. Oh, there. wow. Look at that little baby. Isn't he fun? He's only about four months old, so he's really into mischief. But um, anyway, I think I think there is an outside influence. I think there are good guys and bad guys that want to take over and control this whole planet. I think that maybe they don't want human beings on it so that they can get the gold or the the resources that are on this globe. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's bigger. It's bigger than, you know, whether you're a Democrat or Republican. It, it's much bigger than that. And it's worldwide. And the p- pandemic is some uh, demonstration of how um, a group of beings, whether they're real human or not, want to eliminate a lot of the population. So things are going on. And you can doubt, you know, one of the, the things about this is a dowsing tool. Mm-hmm. Just anything on a string, it's oh. a pendulum. You can get your, uh-huh. get your yes, no response. So show me my yes. My yes is back and forth. Search is circular for me. And no is sideways. So, so yeah. is there a way to hold it? Like try, obviously trying to hold it still in your hand. Yeah, but- no. What I do is, is I hold it close at the top. Because if the if the string is too long, it takes too slow, and my energy is like, oh come on, I'm waiting. You know, I can't stand it if it goes too slow. So I I let it dangle out of my fingers until it starts to move. That's the length of the string that's the best for me. Wow. Yeah. So so I don't get impatient if it way down here and go really slow and it drive me crazy. So I go to where it is from my two, two my inches energy. looking like it depends on you yeah it yeah you know what's really interesting about about that is i'm, I'm getting these like kind of ideas of it, it's an ancient psychic tool it's a tool to help maybe bring the the manifest what's happening or, or, or some sort of physical tool to be able to consolidate psychic energy when you're when you're talking to the ether the the dowsing rod or the dowsing tool is that physical form of of consolidated psychic energy or, or something along those lines well, that tool just is a readout it's a readout of what your intuition is getting it's telling you what's in your auric field and your auric field is all there is it encompasses all there is that's how I can douse water on the moon. I didn't go to the moon. <laughs> you know, I can I can map douse anywhere. You give me a map, I'll douse it. I'll tell you what's there. And how I do that is that my body is is Marty. It's the it's the piece I use for to play with on planet Earth. It's like my monopoly piece. <laughs> oh, Marty, you move it around, right? Mm-hmm. Well, that's not who I am. You know, I'm. that's not who I am. I'm the one that's hearing the voice in my head. The voice in my head is not me. I'm listening to it. And the, the dowsing tool is just something. So you have a readout. When you ask a specific question, you get a readout. And you have to be specific because you're everywhere. Is it going to rain today? Yes. You will always get a rain yes, because you didn't say here. 
this <laughs> afternoon is it going to rain this afternoon when i go for a walk mm-hmm. no right so you got to be extremely specific or you're going to get assumptions mm-hmm. and assumptions get us into big big doo-doo most of the time it's not a good thing to do is assume something so integrity and accuracy and simplicity you read a lot of books and they're so complicated like oh you got to do this you got to line up your chakras you're going in and in. it's bullshit the simpler and the purer the better gold is not complicated it's pure simple it's itself it's valuable and we in ourselves if we can be simple straightforward you know, then it's going to be easy. You don't have to make it complicated. Ask what your ask your yes no response. Everybody's everybody tells us differently. Mm-hmm. So my yes is back and forth. I have a friend whose yes is clockwise and counterclockwise. That's a yes and no. Me when it springs counterclockwise, it's saying, "Well, ask your question, lady." <laughs> <You know? laughs> and then I ask it, and I get a yes or no. But everybody's slightly different. You can read tons of books. In fact, when I first started looking for books, there were only a couple. And now there's lots and lots of books on dowsing. But it the more complicated it is, throw the book out. Mm-hmm. It's not worth it. I don't care who wrote it. You know, I don't care how famous they are. Famous. Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. It's, it's not worth your time. So some of the people that I would suggest any book they wrote, Sieg Lonegren. Is one he he wrote on labyrinths. He wrote on spiritual dowsing. What's his name? Sig. S i g Longren. L o n e g r e n. Longren. Sig Longren. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yep. And another one um, is let's see, John Michelle. He's not with us anymore. Um, He was a, a person from England. And he researched ancient sacred sites and he researched the grid and he did a lot of the early writing on crop circles. Brilliant, brilliant man. He's left us now. Greg Storzak, who's a dozer, dowser from um, where is he? out west somewhere. Uh, he's not with us anymore, but he's written a number of books on dowsing. He's very clear and precise. Paul Devereaux is English, British. He writes on... Um, earth memory and and all kinds of spiritual kind of stuff so paul Devereux was another one and um i mean those anything any books by them are valid and they're not they're not saying look how brilliant i am you know they're saying this is what i know use it if you like it's a whole whole different attitude and uh, of course my little book ladies notes on dowsing i wrote that um and just before going to a labyrinth conference, because um, I just was so tired of all the books being written by men. And <laughs> it was just like they have a, a different way of approaching sometimes. And, mm-hmm. and I just wanted it simple, straightforward, everything you need to know in just a little book. So that's what I did. But um, yeah. They get too heady There's with it, right? They, they try to. Well, that's, you know, it's interesting about, you know, books of antiquity or, you know, reading magic books and, you know, books of like this, this book literally right here, for instance, magic of the middle ages, you know, 
uh, oh, cryptic. Yeah. There's a lot of cryptic, cypheric. Uh, this is written by Richard Kekheifer. Okay. Yeah, I don't he's know him yet. he's oh he's amazing. He's written uh, a lot of books on. Um, he wrote a the fifteenth uh, century guide to necromancy um and book on uh you know symbology and church stones and church architecture which i actually would like to get into uh about as well because when you connect ancient dowsing navigation and churches labyrinth stone circles they're all connected and um yeah they're all on sacred they're all on earth sacred sites except more recently they just build them where there's an empty lot but the <laughs> ancient churches all the churches in england and all the cathedrals in france they're all on the earth grid they're on the ancient um you know king arthur story all of that stuff is real they use those um energy lines to travel they also used it for communication and they mapped with them they got from one place to another with them so it was very important to understand the integrity of the earth itself and people in those days they didn't have tv and they didn't have all all the technical stuff we've got but they had something even more they had trust in their own understanding and connection to the earth and we've lost that we've we've totally lost it's not taught to our children it's not you know i mean every every child ought to learn to douse by the time they're five i mean seriously if they can doubt i i didn't know i knew i could use it for water but i didn't know i could use it in school man would that have been helpful <laughs> I couldn't spell, but I could. <laughs> wow! I could have doused the mm -hmm. yes, no, two false questions. Man, I was really good in school. I wasn't bad in school either, but well, know, they're not mystery you schools can douse anymore. Anything. You know, we're not mm -hmm. in mystery. We're not in mystery schools anymore. Our schooling is <laughs> is completely compartmentalized in a way that is it's rather confusing and thick for the mind. Yeah, and it's boring. It's and totally it's boring. boring. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely boring. And it doesn't empower you because mm. they don't want powerful children. Um, there, are, there are groups of people who still are teaching kids to be empowered. And some of them are dowsers. Some of them are just spiritual beings. They just want the children to be curious and, you know, be empowered. Mm -hmm. So... Dowsing, I think, was the greatest gift my grandfather ever could have given me because I can check. I can douse. I, you know, I don't douse if, you know, if the plumber is honest, I douse if the plumber is capable of doing the job and will be fair pricing me and if he'll do a good job. Is it in the highest good? I hire this dowser, this, you know, plumber. I don't check to see if he's cheating on his wife. That's none of my business. <laughs> I only douse ethically. You know, what is the relationship with me? And I I can douse all the politicians. Is that politician going to do be true to his word? If I get a no, I don't vote for him. You know, I mean, it's, oh, it's a political true. dowsing never even really crossed my mind. Yeah, you can douse for anything if done ethically, especially if it affects you. If it affects you. Now, I douse for this woman who wanted to, she was, she had, she was really upset. 
her daughter and her daughter's boyfriend started across the country on a motorcycle. Her daughter was 14. And every day the daughter was sending her a postcard so she wouldn't have to worry about him on this trip across the country. Well, that's pretty young to send your daughter out across the country on a motorcycle with a boyfriend. But anyway, she did that. And now it had been five days and she hadn't got a postcard. So she wanted me to douse where her daughter was. And I said, I can't douse that. You're the mother. We can douse if she's okay. Because you will always have a connection. You always, always being a parent need to know if your children are okay. If they're if they're if they need you for any reason, you need to know that. So we doused that and she was fine. The next day she got five postcards. But it was out integrity for her to know where the daughter was because she gave her freedom to go. And it's none of her business where she was. That she's okay, that's her business. Is this making sense? Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, it totally does. And the interesting part about it is, like, I'm, I want to get your opinion on on spirit itself. Mm -hmm. um, and the obvious un unanimous cohesion of all spirit and all things are, are the one. Yet we are also one in ourselves and individualistic. So... How does that, how in your opinion through, you know, just your spiritual belief or what have you, how does that, how does that work and how does that look for you? Well, I, you know, I know that I encompass all there is. And I know that, that Jesus said, you can do as I have done and even greater things, right? So I, I'm not, you know, I don't preach. I'm not a re religious leader. I don't, I haven't read the Bible from end to end. But um, I do, I do believe that there is a higher, or a, a living force, that is basically guiding human beings. I believe in the angels. Uh, in fact, Archangel Michael, I call him my booking agent. Whenever I run totally out of money and I need a job, Michael has somebody call me. And I have, and then I I can earn some money, right? And there was this this fellow that I would meditate and go to his office way up, I mean, way up in the center of the universe. And he had a big old desk, and I'd go in and we'd sit down and chat. And I called him Blaze because he was on a blazing star, which is like our sun, only further further out. And um, I just called him Blaze. I didn't know who he was. But he was wonderful, and we had these long discussions. And and you know when I he want I told him I'd go anywhere, providing he makes it possible for me to get there. So you know people would call me up; they'd pay me to go to England, or they'd pay me. You know they they'd get me places, and I said I'd go. You know I don't care. And um, you know I found out who he was, Metatron. He was Metatron, and I got totally embarrassed. I thought, oh my god. He's the overriding angels of angels. And I, and I went I went to his office and I was red-faced and I apologized. I've been calling you Blaze. I didn't know you were Metatron. And he looked at me and he burst out laughing. And he said, you call me Blaze. <laughs> <laughs> and 
because he didn't he didn't want me worshiping him he wanted me working with him mm-hmm. so that's or the energy i don't know whatever mm-hmm. that is he showed up as this old old man but he can show up in almost any form he wants you know these angelic realm the the consciousness of not just humans but of life itself can show up in any form it wants to take so you'll get a dream you'll get a hunch you'll get something to have you wake up you know all of these things you know how does how does the doubt how does the how do the labyrinths play into that like there is the labyrinth some sort of like portal or entrance or something, you know, marking these sacred sites. How how does that play into angelic uh, energies? Well, it's a, the labyrinth is a sacred site, and you walk it, and you you go ring three, two, one, which is the physical plane. Four is the heart. Five, six, and the center is connection to the spirit world, or or everything else. Okay, so physical and non physical. So when you walk it your body is adjusting to the different energy levels. So you're going in tighter and tighter and tighter to the center. When you're in the center, you're in the center of a... Of a toroid. Oh, wow. Right. So you are in that center of the labyrinth is the center of a toroid, and you are connected to heaven and earth. So from that point, you can ask for anything that you need. You can ask for peace on the earth. You can ask for freedom. You can ask for health for your friends. You can ask for a new car. You can ask for A's on your exams. Anything that you really need, when you're in that center, you're heard. Heaven and earth hears you. Whether they give it to you or not is another story, (laughs) but you're heard. So that is one of the real purposes for the labyrinth. So you give thanks. You walk back out and you're readjusting your body, the vibration in your body from the center of the toroid out the different layers, zigzagging back and forth until you leave, right? Mm-hmm. So, and then you're back to, you know, to being connected to the, to the all there is, right? But when you're in that center, it's really heaven and earth right there. It's just a, it's an X point of sorts. And uh, it, it obviously comes from a higher vision or a higher uh, gnosis of sorts. What is the history yeah. of the labyrinth uh, that you know of? Like what, who, what oh, culture, 5, what culture came up with uh, that? I don't know. I yeah. think it's, I think it's been here. Well, there's the first one I ran into was on a cliff carved in a, in the cliff in Cornwall, England, where King Arthur was born and where he he hung out, right? So I ran my fingers through the, there are two of them. Mm-hmm. One is lower I've, down. And there are pictures on your website, kind of if I'm not mistaken. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I ran my fingers through them. When I ran my fingers through one, it was a rainy England day, late, you know, winterish, like, and all of a sudden, I could hear the water in the brook behind me. I could smell the leaves. I could everything. I was totally grounded. I mean, I was just part of the earth when I ran my fingers around that. And I said, whoa, what's that? And then I went over to the other one. And everything disappeared. And I had the, I heard the music of the spheres. Oh. And I'm not, I can't sing. I'm not a musician. 
this music just covered me totally when I ran my fingers around the heaven one. So that's a connection to heaven and earth. And when I got home after that trip, I said, I have got to understand the labyrinth. I've got to know what is this? Well, I couldn't find much written on it. And it was all complicated crap. So I, I said, well, for me as an artist, if I build it, I will understand it. Mm-hmm. So I started labyrinths. And it's amazing, you know, from that, I, I just got totally connected. Totally wow. connected. Wow. One of my early labyrinths was in, at Harvard University <laughs> in, in the Radcliffe Quadrangle. And all the, I worked with all the, the Harvard students. Is it still and they there? Were also smart and we no, it was temporary. Oh, it was a, a quote beautiful. art sculpture. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, an art yeah. sculpture, right? Because so I that's... taught them all about Yeah, because I'm an artist in the, in in Cambridge, Mass in Boston. I was known as an artist. And I still do. I do a lot of drawings and portraits and stuff like that. I don't do as much sculpture. But um, yeah, yeah. I used do to do you... sacred sites in, in state parks. Oh, yeah. wow. That's, that's so cool. And so important, like that role to play in society is super important. And anybody listening, how about this? Everybody listening to this, definitely go <laughs> to Marty's website and check, check, check a lot of this out because she has great information on there. And I think this is something that we all uh, should should really be trying to tap into, especially in these times. And there is a Labyrinth Locator yeah. website, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I've been on that yeah, website. That, I got, yeah, most of my Labyrinths are on, on, on that because I wasn't associated with the, um, with the bigger Labyrinths. I do the Seventh Circuit, which is the original Labyrinth. And then the bigger ones were done by the churches and they were two labyrinths put together so there were there were 11 to you know many many more turns mm-hmm. and how it is is the two sevens were put together to make the the big like the shark cathedral labyrinth mm-hmm. it's huge and uh, most people don't take the time to walk something that big and it's no more powerful than a seven and um, i'll go anywhere to, and do workshops all over the country. I've done workshops in Brazil. I've done workshops all across the country, um, and even in Canada, to build labyrinths. And we just do a big workshop. Everybody comes and pays the host. They get me there and back, pay me a little bit, and we have a labyrinth. And we and then they have supporters to keep walking the labyrinth when they can't be home. So they need to be energized. They need to be. Mm-hmm taken care of you don't just build it and walk away mm-hmm. you 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 know invite people over to walk it so that the earth is connected and mm-hmm. it's energized by our being there can yeah, you, it's a two-way street it's can not you explain to me again how you actually walk the labyrinth like what is the true and proper way to engage with a labyrinth well there's many many ways of engaging i've even seen kids you know kick a soccer ball all the way through it you know so you can play on it you can ride your bike on but to you know to to um you still get value from it no matter whether you hold it as a spiritual thing or you think of it as this wonderful experience 
but you know to build a labyrinth you you need to know that it is spiritual that you are responsible for taking care of it native americans walk labyrinths from the time they can walk they're taught they're not marked on the earth they're too sacred to leave without some oversight wow. so when the native americans would go up and down the coast depending on the winter they wouldn't build a labyrinth and walk away for five months because it wasn't protected it wasn't worked it wasn't used so they would not mark it so no one could bring any bad energy to it so they would so they taught the kids how to walk it and they taught them how to feel the sacred site how to feel the energy of the labyrinth and then they would walk it you know i was i was um walking one or you know making one out in colorado and near denver and uh it was a peace labyrinth i wanted to walk a labyrinth for peace during when the wars were starting in england or in in europe and uh i just a friend of mine who was a dowser came and watched me walk it and i didn't have it marked i just knew how to walk it i built so many and i came back out and i bowed to it and he said to me that two native americans spirits came to him and stood next to him as he watched me walk in this labyrinth and they said why is she walking the sacred path and he said to end the wars in europe and they said oh and they disappeared and it freaked him <laughs> out He'd never seen them before, but, uh, you know, this is one of their tools to be connected with the earth and have how they want life to be asked for, you know, it, that's that communication. So, no, it's not a small thing. You can play on it. You can be reverent on it. You can ask for anything you need. Um Always honoring and respecting when I come out of any labyrinth I walk. I bow to it to thank it. Thank you. Thank you for this experience. I, if I go up to one and I don't feel right, I won't walk it. Mm. I don't walk it. You can put it on detrimental energy, not knowing what you're doing. So if you're going to build a labyrinth, you want to know what you're doing. You, you don't want to just flop it on the earth anywhere. You want to douse out where is it in the highest good. And so I've doused labyrinths for people and they, oh, I want it over there in my front yard. And I doubt, no, it doesn't go there. Mm -hmm. It goes over here on the side lawn where people don't watch you walking it. So it's private and you can invite who you want to come and use it. But it's, it's not like, oh, look at me, I've got a labyrinth. I mean, I, one woman got me over to England because she owned some land on, um, the Michael and Mary line. And she wanted me to build a labyrinth on the Michael and Mary line. What is the Michael and, and Mary I, line? Michael line is one of the earth grid lines. It goes through uh, to St. Michael's church in France, off the coast of France, um, through Stonehenge, through another churches, big, you know, it's, it's a connection, a big, big connection. They call it the Michael and Mary line. It's one of the energy lines that was discovered discovered um in england so but i got there and all she wanted was to be able to brag 
that she lived on the Michael and Mary line and thought oh, I would. I couldn't do it. I said, no, thank you. Um, no, you'll have to get somebody else. And I just, <laughs> I left. I, I mean, I'm not, I'm, if it's not ethical, I'm not going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's just good for you. Honestly, that's great that you hold true on that because some people will do anything for money. And, you know, there's, yeah. there's, there's so much more to more. Yeah. There's so much more to it than that. Um, yeah. I, okay. Let's, let's go in on, on the Michael and Mary line. I love this. I want to um, also bring back up the concept of the floating rocks again, because that's really <laughs> deeply fascinating and ties into yeah. so much ancient folklore. But what is a good map or a reference that we can look at that, is an energy map because I, I try to look up ley line maps. I try to look up these different maps online. I can't find any good yeah, sources. No, Buckminster Fuller is the one who talked about the energy lines, Bucky Fuller. Mm -hmm. I haven't seen, oh, I, there was a woman in Maine. What in the heck? She, I can't think of her name. But Buckminster she Fuller, classic. Had, yeah, Bucky Fuller. But she had, um, she had done some kind of a map that showed the energy lines. And almost every one of the major cities on the planet are at the intersection of major energy lines. Of the 14 hoops, Native Americans call them the 14 hoops, which are the major energy lines that go around the earth. They circle the whole earth, each one of them, where a lot of the energy lines you work with are just offshoots. Off from the 14 grids, 14 hoops. But um, Stonehenge is on, on one. Um, the big cathedrals are all on the crossing of those energy lines. All the stone circles are on energy like that. So they connect. It, 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 it allows people to bring their intention to feed the earth and to be fed by the earth by going to these sacred sites. You, you, when you go to a sacred site, you leave there different. I mean, it's a whole, whole other thing. Even if you think, oh, this is just tourism. Uh-uh. Once you leave there, something happens. You, you, you're, you're different. And if you bring your heart to those places, then the earth is fed by you. And right now she's tired. So we need to, to bring her love. That's why we need to love the water that we get when we take a shower, because the water goes back into the earth and brings that love to Mother Earth. That's part of her system. So love the water. Thank it. Thank your meals that you eat. Thank the water that you drink. All that. It's just so simple, but it's so empowering. It's, it's really important, I think. Yeah. And dowsing, dowsing is just the... A readout of you know whether you use L rods or you know you can you can feel when you go to the grocery store do you use L rods no somebody somebody goes say what the hell are you <laughs> so you just stand there and say isn't the highest good I buy that watermelon if you pull toward it it's a yes if you push away it's a no anybody watching might think you're drunk but hey you you know. That's dowsing. That's using your body as your tool. So it's it's all how are you, uh, how are you getting what it is to be human, and interacting with all life on the planet. 
and the planet itself. So that's that's what sacred sites are about. It's a place for people to go and give their love to Mother Earth and to Father Sky and all of that. It's all there. I don't know if that answered your question. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it definitely did. I mean, Buckminster Fuller, absolute, absolute amazing man. And looking into oh, his, he was wonderful. so good. And like, you can, you know, what's great about these, those books is they have all those reference points, references where they were looking up yeah. getting their information. And so you could just date all that back. Um, it's super fascinating. Um, one of the thing I wanted to, way back to the you know, it goes way back to the Sumerians, you know, if you can read that kind of language, the ancient, ancient languages, it's all there. It's it's all there, and it's in the ancient traditions of primitive, what we call primitive people, all you know, in Africa and in in you know our Native Americans, they all they all know what they're doing. <laughs> very yeah. much so, very 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 much so, and you know, you were talking earlier about the way that the planet is you know being affected by outside celestial forces as we're transiting and going through phases and stages and. You know, there's a lot of talk out that we are going to find ourselves back in a place after the transition um, that will be more magnetically potent for the earth. You know, people that are around and that's make it through to the other side of the transition or the age evolution of the planet and where we're going, that we might find ourselves back in a golden age period, which would be fantastic. And I, I do have hope for that because it seems that things are getting ramped up here. Um, I mean, things are always ramped up, yeah. you know, on, yeah. on the political level or whatever, but it feels like we definitely might be seeing the tail end of a transition and, and there will be a bloomage on the other side. Yeah. Just a tension with love. And that's, that's what dowsing is an openness it's a willingness to get whatever answer you get it's an open open heart and that is so powerful and you focus very razor sharp on whatever the question is that you have so mm -hmm. you're practicing focused attention with love it's the most powerful tool that human beings have and that's why ets were you know, stealing people and animals and stuff. They didn't, they don't have, all of them don't have the love vibration, but humans have it and they want it. And they don't know whether they get it from, we get it from the planet or we bring it to the planet. Mm -hmm. they, they don't know. And I don't know either, but that's what we've got. And that's what we need to use. Wow. So, and, and down with that. Yeah. I, I have a lot, there's a lot of interesting, weird type of things I wanted to tie into that just to say, because I am watching this show. Sometimes I like to indulge myself on some television when I want to just turn off after working all day. And there's a great <laughs> series called True Blood, which is about um, a romanticized, you know, uh, series on vampires and this, this kind of broader understanding. I think the show really encapsulates this like understanding of if we lived with these these um supernatural creatures here and they were just a part of everyday life point being of that is you know there's these these vampires in the show they can live forever because they they have 
you know, the blood is goes through, but they don't have a heartbeat themselves. And so that's why they, they live in, you know, they, they can't be out in the sunlight and things, but the main character in the show falls in love with a human because of their deeper ability of having emotions and that heartbeat that they do actually have. So it's a love show between a vampire and a non vampire, which is fascinating. But thinking about, you know, what we're saying is, you know, if there's potential uh, contact with outside forces, and they want our heartbeat, you know, that could kind of be interpreted as, you know, what a, a, a vampire could be, you know, but that was like I said, like kind of fringe, I wanted to, um, Talk to you about yeah, your other section. Another on connection. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. The, there's another connection, and that is when you talk about the blood. Adrenochrome is when people scare a child to death and then drink the blood. That's mm-hmm. called adrenochrome, mm-hmm. and it keeps them from getting old. Mm-hmm. They have no wrinkles. They, you know, who? Oh, that's. That's what a vampire is, someone who drinks the blood. And so adrenochrome is the 20th century term for vampire. And there's a lot of, quote, people that all of a sudden, when when Trump went in and, and took out all the child trafficking and did, you know, rescued all those children in the tunnels and all that stuff, those people who were using it are getting very old, very fast. And when you look at them, they look awful. They do. Yeah. And some of the, even the leaders, you look at some of the American leaders or leaders of other countries, if you saw them five years ago, they didn't look like they showed their age. But you look at them now, they can't get the adrenochrome, which kept them young. So things that go on in this planet are i mean it it sounds like fiction it sounds like some wild story but the i mean you can see it it's it's obvious i've done a lot of research on the history of cannibalism um throughout our our history and you know people that listen to the show they know i've done other podcasts where i've talked about medical cannibalism uh, and the use of human body parts mm-hmm. and blood throughout different medical practices throughout history. It's always been a part of culture, always has been using using the things and go even to the to crazy <laughs> thing of harvesting human fat after wars and going out to the the the, the war field and um, using the fat to make soap. And there were companies doing that up until the earliest of the 20th century, you know, so it's I didn't know about that one. <laughs> yeah, that's a thing. Yeah. It's totally you can go look it up if you want to or, you know, it's it's totally a thing. So we've been using it. And so it's really not far of a stretch because you, you look at where, you know, when did it stop? When did we stop using body parts to make our medicine or to have it be a part of culture? Well, it never there never oh, was yeah. a or have we stopped exactly it just got more silenced and pushed under the rug um and so but now due to the internet and things like this we can talk about these things uh but i wanted to ask you about your other section on your website called geomancy um you know it's one of the seven sacred sciences of the renaissance period you had hydromancy geomancy aromancy scalpelmancy um necromancy and palmistry i think are the seven renaissance uh, magics. And 
I love it. I love that. I, like I said, I got the book right here, magic in the middle ages. Like it super fascinates me. Um, but what is geomancy to you? Um, and, and, and how do you go about using it? Well, geomancy for me is the art of placement. So um, it's another form using dowsing. You can ask where is in the highest good for me to build my house? Or is it in the highest good for me to live in England or America? So when, I, when my mom died and I no longer um, had a reason to stay in New Hampshire, I started dowsing you know, where would it be on planet Earth in my highest good to live? And there was a part of Cornwall, I thought, oh, man, I love Cornwall. That would be fun. And it said no. So I came back and I doused the map of the Earth and I doused America and I got North Carolina. Wow. Now, why I got that, I have no idea. But I followed it. And I came down here to the Asheville area in Black Mountain. I rented a, a cabin and lived in it for a year. And then I bought a, a little, you know, kind of cabin-like primitive house mm -hmm. up in the mountains. And I, I come here every winter. So I love North Carolina. And maybe I ought to stay here full-time. I've been here full-time through the COVID two years, but um, I still have a home in, in New Hampshire as well. So, you know, where geomancy is... Not only where is it in the highest good for me to be, but where is it in the highest good if I'm going to build something? Where should the front door be? So when I go to someone's um, land and they're wanting to build, I can douse for the highest good of this family, the front door and the heart of the house, which is either the heat, like your furnace, the fireplace, or the kitchen stove. It all has to do with heat. If you love cooking, and you're a great chef, then that may be the um, the place that is the heart of the house, is, is the cushion stove. Oh, I'm gonna, I gotta turn that off. Um, but anyway, so the heart of the house could be the stove or it could be the fireplace or whatever. I can't, I don't know how to turn this. Oh, the hearth. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. It's the hearth of the home, right? That's interesting. The heart, the heart. Yes. It's all, yep. So is it, is there, what physical uh, tools are used in geomancy? Is it all just um, spiritual and, and in the ether or what, what type of, uh, what type of communication uh, tools are there for geomancy? Well, I, I use dowsing. Dowsing I mean, is, oh yeah. Dowsing is a hundred percent a tool. Okay. There, that yeah, makes sense. That completely went over my head. I'm sorry. <laughs> Yeah, no, I use that's that's it. And a lot of geomancers, that's what they use. I don't know who doesn't use a dowsing, but they may use quote intuition, which is another way of reading from your body what's right for the question that you ask. So you need to be very, very precise. So if someone is building a housing development, that's a different question than if they're building their home. So for their home, you want to have it the energy of the earth feed that particular person or that particular family. So you want to know where to place it. If it's a development, that's another situation. I, you know, I don't usually work with those, but yeah. 
Yeah, there was one guy who hired me to douse for a well. He said he was building a farm up in Vermont. He bought a whole side of a of a ridge. And um I I drove up and I, you know, checked it out and I kept finding water veins, but none of them were willing to come to the surface. So I thought, something's weird. This is strange. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I found three different veins. I said, no, no, no. So I went back to the guy and I said, okay, what are you planning to do with this land? He said, oh, I'm going to have a farm. I said, no, you're not. <laughs> no, you're not. And he said, well, what? What do you mean? I said, no, none of the water is willing to come to the surface. If you were building a farm, they'd all be happy to feed your farm. But you're not. So what are you doing? Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. And he kind of hudged around. And I said, okay, tell me what you're doing. Well, that's it. And he said, well, I'm going to put eight houses up along this ridge. <laughs> so you're building a housing development. And he said, yes. And I said, well, you know what? You're not going to get any water. So you're going to lose every bit of every penny you put into this land. My advice to you is to sell this land to someone who might want to build a farm and you go buy a place that wants to be a housing development. And he looked at me and I said, you're going to lose everything because you're not getting any water. And I got in my car and I drove away. Wow. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know what he ended up doing, but you know, it's like had that water been willing to come to the surface, then what he was planning to do would have been accepted by the earth. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't. And he lied to me. And I said, I, I don't, I don't douse for people who lie to me. You know, yeah. I, I don't want absolutely. you dirty money. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. No, I, I was reading on dowsing and some historical text because trying to find you know, the, the use of it. And it goes like we were talking about earlier, it goes all the way back. You know, Moses definitely was a dowser. Yeah. He had dowsing tools, the staffs, the rods, Egyptians, yeah. you know, even potential, the, the onk, yeah. right? The rod and the staff will, you know, support you. Yeah, that's true. That's all uh, dowsing tool. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, where was I going with that? Uh, oh, detective work so i was i was some of the stories i was oh, reading yeah. about uh about it is what they would do is they would actually try to use dowsing rods to find a murderer in a room of victims you know right. mm -hmm. yep well one of the things that i was taught by someone who worked with police uh he was an old-time dowser never ever ever douse and go tell the police you know who did it because if they didn't ask you to douse, you're going to know too much information not to have been the one who did it. Mm -hmm. So Automatic suspect. <laughs> top of the list suspect because you know too much. So only douse when they ask you to do it. You can volunteer, tell them you're a dowser and you're willing to try to help with this. If they take you up, go do it. But if they say no, don't do it. No, mm -hmm. You don't know too much, and only the person who did it could know that much. That's hilarious, but also great advice. Yeah, be careful. <laughs> I'm surprised there hasn't been like a, with all the, the detective and cop shows that people love to watch that have been famous for, you know, 
yeah. decades now, uh, you know, like I'm surprised there's not a dowsing 5-0, like, a, you know, like using, they have like psychic shows where they do psychic stuff, but there's never been a specific dowser. And, and I think there's something to that because dowsing is still used in the higher echelons of magic and, and geomancy and these things are kind of hidden. Um, but I wanted to talk to you. I have like three main questions um, okay. as, we're, as we're starting our descent here. Um, yeah. So one, the shape of your dowsing tool there that I saw looked almost like a chestnut or a nut. Oh, this one. Oh, yes. This These were given out when I I, I led the, um, co-directed the dowsing school for the National Convention for about six years. And one of the old dowsers would make these and give them to the school so that these were the dowsing. They were nuts, like an acorn. It's just he carved them and he, and they yeah. were what, they were what we gave to anyone who took the dowsing school from the national convention. I love so that. That's, yeah, that's where I got this one. But you can douse with anything. This is just a, you know, a blue crystal. It doesn't matter. My mom was at a, a party, and she reached in her pocket to get her her pendulum to douse for someone, mm -hmm. and she didn't bring it. So she reached over and took a wet tea bag and doused with that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, reading so, tea leaves. That's a whole other meaning to reading tea it's leaves. It's another whole thing too, but she just used, because the weight of the water in the tea bag made it possible to use it as a dowsing tool. So it, it doesn't have to be fancy. Mm -hmm. you know? It's not that. You can, you know, these are L rods. Oh that, yeah, that's, see, that's more of what I, what I visualize with the dowsing rod right there. Yeah, yeah. Now, Oh, they're very special. You see, the widths to the length to the and 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 no, I cut them the length that fits in my pocketbook. <laughs> <laughs> it's not sacred geometry. It could be, but I don't, the big long ones that go out, you know, another six inches, they're too long for me. I can't lug them around. So these are the ones I use. Wow. You custom yeah. made those or you bought them and then oh, cut, them. cut them to the one that you wanted size? I, ma I make them. You can get a brazing rod. Um, this is this is um, bronze, but you can get um, metal, any kind of metal brazing rod. Do, do you sell rods and tools? I have been, but I've been having trouble getting enough um, materials. The latest one I had to get for the for the handles is now aluminum because I can't get the copper. Oh, it's, no. it's gone way off the off the charts. I would have yeah. to charge forty dollars for a set, mm -hmm. and no, you know it's crazy. So I I charge fifteen. You know. It's, oh, it's, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be grabbing a couple pairs from you then. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. The, the ones I just got the materials. I just got the materials to build the the uh, um, ones with aluminum handles, but they're all anything that allows it to move. You can make them out of um, coat hangers and then use an old ballpoint pen. Ah. Just take that apart and you've got the handle and then just slide it in, bend it, make sure it's straight and the end so it won't fall off and you got your rods. That's that's beautiful. You know, what's funny is like you they're L rods. And so that reminds me of L, the sacred letter L. L that's is right. the angle, the shape to love, like we're talking about the heartbeat of love, the labyrinth. And yeah. it's it's beautiful symbology right there. Um, 
I'm going to definitely be getting a pair from you because after the season of California, I'm, I'm going to be finishing up on the farm here. And then I'm oh. driving to Florida to where I have oh. family down in Florida. And I'm going to be working on their uh, gator farm and fan boat uh, company. I'm going to be doing bog rides. Uh, but I want to have so a where pair. Where are they of, located? Uh, oh. Down at Kiss Me. Kiss Me, Kiss Me. South of Orlando. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, so it's, uh, I mean, basically Kissimmee is just almost like a suburb of Orlando. It's maybe 20 minutes it's away. It's on the coast, though, isn't it? Mm -hmm. It's closer to the coast. Yeah. My family has this, uh, the, it's called Boggy Creek, okay. and they've had their fan boat company for years. They started with one boat, and now they have 10, and it's a beautiful community out there. They have a campground, a restaurant, a bar. Yeah. They just started a butterfly uh, pyramid. Oh, thing. butterfly farm. Butterfly oh, farm. Oh, okay, yeah. And they got the they got the gator <laughs> farm. So I'm really excited. And you know, okay. looking at oh. Buckminster Fuller's maps, well, just outside yeah. of Florida is a huge energy ley line uh, point. And I think that's why this whole area is, it has so much history with pirates and the pirate yeah. lore and navigation, navigation and dowsing and geomancy. So navigation on boat. Um, and what people need to understand is that there was all of the magic intertwined into navigating the waters. You're working okay. with the air, you're working with water, you are working with earth, you're working with magnetics and yeah. you're working with the, all of the natural forces and you're working with the non-physical forces because you're already there. Your aura mm. is everywhere. So when you're in a boat and you want to know the safest way to get somewhere, use your dowsing rods. It'll point. Just keep on track. Go where it's pointing. Is that what a compass is? Yes. Wow. A, a, compass, <laughs> a compass just tells you north, south, east, west, you know, with the, the electromagnetics of the earth. Well, that changes. Mm -hmm. It's changed so much. I was in an airplane going to California and they had to they had to reroute themselves three different ways before we got there because their compass was screwed because <laughs> the earth was changing and the north moved. Mm -hmm. So why would north, they why would they be fixed you know why do we think we'd they north south east west one two three four would be a fixed never moving thing we need to erase that from our understanding well it keeps moving it moves slower but you know and that's dowsing is will give you they'll give you north if you ask please point which way is north from where i'm sitting behind me that way back oh there. wow that's oh yeah so you can just ask it'll point north <laughs> and, but when you're in the woods and you want to get back to your car, don't ask for the shortest route. <laughs> you'll be going over a cliff or something. Ask for the safest route back to your car, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. then you then it will lead you around the you know the drop offs and the lakes. You can't walk across <laughs> water easily. <laughs> you know, oh, so the questions beautiful. are important. Yeah, that is questions beautiful. important. There's, uh, yep. uh, you know, tales of the old dowsing rods and how they were, you know, one piece and they y would rod. have, yeah. oh, oh, Y rods. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Y rod is a cut branch off a tree. That's what my grandpa used. 
but I don't use them because I don't like cutting off all these branches. It has to be flexible and it, and it has to be, it can't be an old dried out stick. It has to be so that it bends. So you hold it and you put pressure on it. And then the end of it can bob up and down real fast. Oh. So you hold it and you, you turn and when you get your yes, it'll point down where the water is. If you're asking for water, if you're holding it under pressure and you turn around this way and you want to know which which is the fastest route to um, the kitchen. So you go like that and all of a sudden it drops down. That's it. Wow. That's the way you go. Yeah. And there's no so handles the or anything. It's to, just in your hands. It's just yeah. a. Yeah, you you take you take it's it's a stem. And it's got two branches that coming off that stem. So it's it's the end it's the end of the thing where it has these branches. And you grab the branches, and the end is still sticking out. And you, of course, you cut it off, so it's like six or eight inches. And you hold that, and the branches come out this way. But you want to put them under pressure, so you turn them outward, and you can feel. And then this point on the end, the branch itself. Um, you know the the stick it it's flexible because it's under that pressure that you've turned your hands out and you put the pressure on it was there a more traditional way, type of tree that was you or is there a more traditional type of wood that yeah, was it used? Has to, yeah it could be apple or what was the other one that grandpa used it had to be flexible if you use pine it'll break mm -hmm. so certain trees you don't want to use their branches you know but apple trees work real good they're real flexible yeah wow I, that's what I, grandpa liked the apple <laughs> that's so cool that gives a whole other uh uh piece of history to the apple or the johnny appleseed story you know right, like right, the because right. he was like supposedly planting all these apple trees all these places and that could be a, another yeah. uh hint to dowsing or ancient uh some sort of crypt you know uh, the, the the Freemasons and and all of those like secret societies that came over here and tried to start America were into dowsing undoubtedly and into these different magical oh, practices. Yes. So they were hidden throughout yeah. different cryptic stories or cipher ciphers and things like that. And that stuff fascinates me. Um, I wanted to uh, to yeah. to talk to you about the uh, the magnets, magnets and dowsing. Is there any like practices that that use magnets or magnetite or stones uh, i know you and you're building your labyrinth to use stones but i didn't know if there's if there's something correlation to the minerals that you use i, I don't i haven't i i think that's um i think that's too complicated mm -hmm. I, I don't know what the magnets are going to do or if the magnets will take on somebody else's mm -hmm. intention Mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. isn't yours. I mean, I've seen labyrinths where, oh, you put a magnet at every turning point and then bullshit. Uh-uh. Keep it clean. <laughs> Keep it simple. Okay. Like, it's just just like in dowsing, the cleaner, the simpler, the more exacting your question, the better the answers you get. If you complicate it, then no, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't complicate it. It it doesn't mm -mm, it's not needed. Yeah, and it may bring something on that you don't want to have anything to do with. I don't know how ETs use magnets. I don't know whether they're attracted to electromagnetic energy in a way that I am. I don't know who's going to influence me. Just like I don't know what those cell towers are doing. Mm -hmm. 
And I don't know what 5G is going to do to us. I don't think it's good. I keep getting, uh-uh, keep away from it. <laughs> but, you know, on who's going to use it to track you? I mean, all of these weird stuff. So keep it simple in a way you know works. That's yes. all. I, I just yeah. don't. Good. I love that answer. Mess. That's fantastic. No, it really is. I mean, because... Like I said, you know, there's all these crypts and ciphers and, and overcomplications. Uh, and, you know, funny enough, those all start with the letter C. And C is a letter that uh, <laughs> it just means secret. So, you know, um, anyways, uh, that's interesting. Yeah, the magnets, you know, I, don't, I guess I was almost trying to allude to this, the floating rock that you were talking about earlier. You know, there's a lot of folklore and myth behind these ancient sacred sites being places where they had magnetic energy and that's how well they can often you know but often they call they call the electromagnetic earth grid magnetic because it's electromagnetic energy mm -hmm. but they're not magnets mm -hmm. you know those stones are granite and granite is not a magnet Mm -hmm. But they're on the electromagnetic energy of the Earth, so they they complicate what magnet is or an electromagnetic mm -hmm. is uh -huh. and how it's being used. The ancients knew how to use the Earth energies. Mm -hmm. I don't Very know much. whether they called it electromagnetic or what they called it. I don't care. Oh, for sure. They yeah. knew how to use it, and they put, they rode it. They could fly over with it. You know all that all that stuff with a giant sculptures on the earth i mean you can't see them unless you're flying how did they do that you know they rode the energy lines so these these things happen but i, I don't know what it's uh, it, it, it's a it's a real study and i appreciate your studying but don't let it all go to physical mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying yes, yes it's it's so little of it physical we use physical stuff to enhance the non-physical we're here so in true. physical form mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but we are not physical beings right so when this body goes i'm not going with it i'm going somewhere else <laughs> you know you're not just going to put me in the boat that's it yeah I'm, I'm still here i am not the voice in my head i'm the one who listens to it that's i right. hear it it's not me, you know, so all of that intelligence, all of that that we learn in school and we learn from each other and we discover by exploring everything. I mean, that's curiosity. That's what we're here for is to learn and explore and get excited and discover all these things and bring our love to the whole process. That that's I think that's our job. So. If you're not enjoying it, you're not bringing love to it, don't do it, <laughs> you know? And if you're not learning from it and getting curious and having fun, don't do it, you see? Unless, yeah. you know, you knew a couple extra dollars or something, but no. I, I mean, then call in, you know, then you call in to, to Michael and you say, hey, Dow's, Dow's with your angels, right? And, and and talk to those those higher entities. Well, that's a beautiful, like, honestly, segue um is this heartbeat of love to connect to earth and to have real realness come from that i think that's a really good takeaway from 
this conversation and this topic. And, um, you know, I guess as a closing question to really just throw it back all to the paranormal stuff that we've been talking about, have you had any experiences? Have you seen, you know, any, anything interesting, um, that you might consider, uh, paranormal? Oh, all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, you, you walk into the woods and somebody's with you. Mm-hmm. You know they're there. Sometimes you see them. Sometimes you just feel them being there. I I have a gnome and two gnomes. Everybody's mm-hmm. got mm-hmm. two gnomes. They're the dentists of the angelic realm, and they come in with you. And uh, Leaf and Sasha are their names. And uh, they hang out with me. And when I fly to England, Leaf will ride, but Sasha won't. She says the movies are too boring. And when I get there, she shows up. She should need an airplane to get there, right? Oh, wow. So, so, so I have all of these spiritual beings, and I've been in places where I've seen spiritual beings. I've, I've felt the presence. I've seen the lights. I've seen all kinds of stuff. I've chased UFOs. I've driven after them, trying to catch them. I mean, Let's all talk about kinds that. of things that we do. <laughs> Yeah, really, they're wonderful. Yeah, I went to one place way back. I was driving from UNH back to Newport, New Hampshire, up through the mountains. And I saw this UFO, and and I just went crazy trying to catch it. And it it went over some trees, and I went up. And all of a sudden, I was going up this road, the way I normally cut the back roads to get home, and all my hair stood up. Oh. Every, I mean, I just went like this, and I got scared, <laughs> and I drove home, and I woke up in the morning, you know, like I, I could hardly sleep, and I got, you know, just daylight. I got in my car and I drove back down that road to see what it was, and there was a turning, a little like a dirt tractor thing, and I stopped and I walked into a big open field, and there was a burn mark, huge burn mark where the UFO had been sitting. And that's what I felt. And and I got terrified. My spirits all said, don't go there. And they scared me. They made my hair stand up so I wouldn't go explore what was going on over there because I wasn't supposed to be near those ETs. But I saw where, the, where it had landed because it burnt a mark in the hay in the, you know, squished the, you know, mm-hmm, the grass mm-hmm. down. And it was it's a common circle, it's a so. common uh, thing and when people find where yeah. where ufos have landed there's generally some sort of like burn mark or scorch mark of sorts yeah. super fascinating big, wow yeah. and then i was going to a poetry reading at unh and uh, i was driving there and there was a, a cigar shaped ufo flying just above the trees down main street of durham new hampshire so i'm I'm driving down, following it, and I had a friend with me, and I said, wow, and so I, I chased it, and it went off the <sighs> back roads, and I knew the roads because my sister lived back there, so I went speeding down these roads about 55, 60 miles an hour on a road you shouldn't go 30, <sighs> and trying to catch up with it, and I got to within two car lengths of it, and my friend freaked out. She said she was going to open the door and jump out. Whoa. That would have killed her. So I stopped and it just kept going. We went back to the poetry reading. Everybody at the poetry reading had seen it. Whoa. So everybody knew that it had gone over. So, 
you know, so verification, yeah. Yeah. You know, all these, <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Are, are you the, there's another Marty Kane on, uh, on the internet that is like associated with poetry and, uh, yeah. His, yeah, I didn't know if that was you or not. It's, uh, let me, let me see. Uh, yeah, the rural avant-garde mapping contemporary U.S. poetry collectives outside the metropolis. And yeah. it's got martykane.com, uh, Ithaca, New York, Marty Kane curriculum. It's, but it's it's a it's a man actually. Oh yeah, short for Martin probably. Yeah, and it, so it was just funny because I was going to ask you because it was almost kind of talking about ancient maps and history of maps, which is almost kind of correspondent to dowsing and ley lines and earth and geomancy. And then you just brought up the poetry things now. And I was like, I was like, hmm, I, oh, I was going to ask her if she's the Marty Kane that I was reading about because, but no, that's, but that's that right there. I just want to say, I, I've been wrapping my head around archetypes understand like the celestial right. code the cosmic code of names and somehow how subconsciously we fulfill these roles that almost have a homage to what our name is and now when i think about your name and i think about cain right i think about a dowsing rod i think about a staff i think about a walking a cane mm -hmm. or and a marty you know i think about okay. a mark i think about marching i think about almost mar marching around and marking with a cane and dowsing, you know? And so then I find mm -hmm. that you are do that. And then this other Marty Kane, that is a someone completely unrelated is looking up ancient yeah. maps and, uh, and tracking these, these ancient navigators. And I'm like, that's like a name archetype. And so it fits right into this, this thing I'm seeing while doing research yeah. that there's some sort of role being filled that we, yeah, there's there's another connection. I, I'm not I'm not good with words. I speak well, but I don't write well. <laughs> I mean, I've written, but you know, that's not my forte. I'm a visual artist, mm -hmm. so I do drawings, and paintings, and sculptures. He's a poet, mm -hmm. so he does creative work as well. So maybe the Marty Kane has something to do with being creative. Yes, creating music, making something visible for other people to see that they wouldn't see without you and that's what poetry does po i have a real dear friend stephen Martina from um cambridge or, or boston area and uh in massachusetts and he's an incredible poet and we used to do projects together you know so he'd do the poetry and i'd do the art and we did all kinds of stuff together so wow um so that it's a maybe it has to do with creativity. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I've never put my name in in those terms. Like it it designates something. But with this other person with the same name, and he's doing creative work. It's mm -hmm. curious, and he's he's curious about the ancient maps and stuff. So it it goes back to Cain and Abel. You know what happened in the early days. Yeah, who knows? yeah, no, the Cain and Abel, I mean, just I, you know, just to tie it back into that little subvert that we went on earlier about vampires, you know, that's a story, uh, it's a vampiric type of story and uh, Romulus, 
and Remus that you know the the founders of Rome that oh, yes. were that were that their right. mother was a wolf in the forest and then they were found and they have the same kind of stories as Abe and uh, Cain and Abel it's like there's this battle right. between the 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 vampires or the cannibals or the werewolves and then to us with the heartbeat and it's like this but it's almost hermetic in the sense that they need each other for that balance and that it will always be there that there is like this type of like like sucking energy and there's a type of fulfilling energy and together when they come together they create the existence and reality in that toroid that is there and so like it's like we got to fight the bad guys you know we got to do this and the bad guys are like we got to conquer these you know these wimps or whatever and it's just like and it's always going on and nobody ever wins they don't win we don't win it's but but it's it's the it's the existence between the two that is needed and necessary to make the reality somehow so i don't know but it's mind-blowing i don't I don't know. It is mind blowing. It's like day and night. It's like yes, black and white. It's like contrast. That we we need some kind of contrast to keep growing. Maybe that's what it's about. I don't. I don't yeah, know. dude. You that's know, they can that's make it. it really good. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, geez. Wow. Well, we, I, I love this. Thank you so much. I gotta meet you. So where you're going to be in Florida, right? Yes. My sister, my sister's in a um, elderly support home in mm -hmm. Leesburg, Florida. And she has a trailer that we both own in uh, Leesburg. So Leesburg. I go down there. Yeah. Leesburg is sort of north in the middle of the state and it's in um, the water district, you know, water and whatever it is. Mm -hmm. um, and it's north of, um, what's that big city um, that you mentioned? Orlando. Orlando. It's north of Orlando by about an hour, hour and a half, maybe. Oh, yeah. nice. There is yeah. so much history in Florida. Um, after I went there for oh. my first time, I, you know, growing up on the West Coast, you hear you hear all these stories about Florida, you know, and, you know, it's got all so on and so forth. It has all these, you know, negative connotations around it for whatever reason. And, um, you know, I just I hadn't been there until this last year. I went to go finally visit some family. And the second that I touched down this, it was automatic. I felt that it was a very special place, not outside of all the money and the Disney worlds and all that. It the set the land itself was incredibly special and the humidity i actually thoroughly enjoyed the humidity i was like i don't mind water this is great i like water so i get water this is amazing and um you know we know that water and energies and the elementals you know are able to flow throughout and it's it's a it's a denser energy it's really interesting but north carolina is another very um fascinating place i have family that grew up outside of um uh oh, yo, 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 uh raleigh yeah. raleigh yeah. right mm -hmm. so that's been... not far from black mountain that's about an hour drive it's not bad but I... it's on the flat raleigh's more in the flat country and black mountain is in the mountains oh wow so i'm my Way house up is up a dirt road. It's four miles up a dirt road on the mountainside. Yeah. You got, seems yeah, like you got some good internet, though. That's okay. 
oh yeah, I can see the tower. That's the only reason I get it. Other people <laughs> on the back side of the mountain don't get it. <laughs> wow. Yeah, you doused it. They doused you out pretty well on that. That's good. I just I get directed. You know, I I let um yeah. Michael says buy that house, right? <laughs> Did yeah. you use, yeah, of course you use dowsing to find your house. Yeah. Do you love it? Do you love your home? Oh yeah, it's wonderful. There's a lot of new people moving up and I'm not so sure because they're not friendly. And, um, you know, they'll drive by, we had a little tiny dirt road. You, mm -hmm. you have to pass each other in specific places because it's too narrow. And if you go off it, you drop down 200 feet, right? So we're in the mountains and, um, they don't even wave when they go by. I mean, <sighs> there's no they're they're not part of wanting to be a community. Yeah. So I'm not I'm not sure how long I'm gonna live here. I don't know. We'll see. How, it's so cool to see someone of your uh of your age and valor to be able to just be like, you know what? I'm not gonna be here forever. Who knows how long I'll be here? I might, you know, move somewhere else. That's yeah. is well rooted in our um in a lot of people that they cannot leave because they have all these responsibilities they and for i don't i don't condone that you know people can do whatever they want i absolutely find that okay but the freedom of letting yourself live to the energies and be able to move freely is so important and don't feel locked down. Don't feel like you can't go anywhere. You need to go and travel and have these experiences in order to to be able to find more of yourself and to feel more of yourself and to find out the and true answers and optimization. That's right. And if you're an earth being, anywhere on the earth is okay. <laughs> so you choose where on the earth you want to be. <laughs> That's so true. Being, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, goodness. Well, do you want to let the good people know where they can find you, plug any of your books, your works, and any final messages for our listeners here? Yeah, well, my ladies' notes is everything you need to know and real simple. So it's straightforward. It's it's like uh, $15, I guess. It's just a, it's a book, mm -hmm. but it's not, it's all paper. It's, you know, cheap. But ladies' good. notes on dowsing. Get that book. Right. Have it in your have it in your workhouse because it's a simple document uh, explaining on how to use these energies, which we all need. Yep, how to make your own tools, how to use them, what to look out for. It's it's just thorough, but simple. It's just straightforward. And I sell it. Um, if you want to write to me, uh, email me Marty at Marty Kane at protonmail.com, and I can answer your questions. Uh, I can douse um, distance dowsing. I do a lot of that. I don't do well dowsing at a distance because it needs to be precise. But if you want me to double check someone who's doused for you, that's good. Yeah. Awesome. Well, those all sound like amazing things. And I know we have listeners in that part of the country. So if you guys are over there uh, in North Carolina, uh, in, in, in that area, then try to contact Marty and see if you can get learn some of these great skills because it's something that we need to, as a community, keep spreading. We have a, we have a local dowsing group, the Appalachian Dowsers. And so um, we haven't been meeting 
we have picnics that we meet at, but we haven't been having our monthly meetings because of COVID. But um, we're going to eventually start back again. But they have a good website. We're also connected um, with Arizona and their dowsing, and they have a speaker every month. And you can plug in to listen to their lectures. So um, check out the Appalachian Dowsers. Wow. Call. I'll try yeah, to put so that in the show notes too. I'll put Marty Kane and I'll put the Appalachian Dowsers. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they, they have a, it's a real good resource. Yep. Oh, so cool. All right. Well, yeah. uh, thank you, Marty, so much. Uh, it's a pleasure. And I, I hope that we get to chat again on the show and fire tribe. You guys, if you guys didn't like this episode, it's an automatic classic. You're going to need to re-listen to it again to ensure that you did love it. And I'm sure you did. Much love to everybody out there. Thank you again, Marty. It's a pleasure. I've enjoyed it so much. <laughs>